Oregon's one mission, bringing Major League Baseball to Oregon. Powered by the Portland Gear Store, this is the Diamonds and Roses podcast. And without further ado, your hosts, Ben and David. My name is Ben. And I'm Dave. Thank you for joining us in our very first episode of Baseball to Portland. So Dave, you know, we're starting this brand new podcast about baseball and more specifically professional baseball to Portland. Um, So what interests you about baseball to Portland? Well, first of all, what interests me is that Portland has a real rich history with baseball and people don't think of Portland being a baseball town. And frankly, Portland is a baseball town. If you look at that history, uh, the colorful characters involved and uh, basically the the fan and, and, and human interest in baseball in this region, in this city. Obviously, I've not lived here in, in Portland my entire life or in the Oregon, state of Oregon. And I used to live in Vermont, grew up there. And I, I grew up watching uh, baseball, either watching the Atlanta Braves or maybe watching the Boston Red Sox and getting some New York Met games and New York Yankee games there throughout my whole entire life. And I personally played baseball growing up. And Baseball is uh, of uh, extreme interest to me. I, I enjoy playing it when I was younger. I enjoy watching it as I've gotten older. Um, I, you know, what, as far as uh, your first, uh, I guess, your, your first recollection of, of baseball, what, what was that for you? My first recollection of baseball was uh, starting to play Little League. And I was definitely year, a few years later than the rest of my peers where I grew up. So I was definitely behind in terms of the understanding of the game and the skill. But I was immediately attracted to it because of uh, the intellectual component of baseball uh, in terms of the, the strategy behind it. And the way baseball forced you to accept personal responsibility, I feel like more than any other sport. You know, you're, you're watched, your, your successes and your failures are out there for everyone to see. And I like that personal responsibility that went along with it. It made me feel like I could control some things. Yeah. And I remember my first uh, experience with baseball that I can recall. And and that is uh, I'd go over to my grandparents on the weekends and we'd sit there and we'd watch baseball on the TV. And I'd usually like be lying on the floor and my brother like chilling out beside me and he'd be watching Atlanta Braves games. And I, I recall just sitting there and and lying and just watching the game and then falling asleep because I'd get so tired and get later into the evening. And, you know, I just remember just being a part of my family and, and hanging out with my grandparents as a young child. So, you know, that's my earliest recollection of, of baseball as a whole, being able to watch it on color TV. Cause I know initially growing up, we had black and white. I didn't have a lot of money in my family. And so we had black and white TV and, then going over to my grandparents where they could afford a, a color TV. So it was being able to uh, watch baseball. So um, what, you know, growing up, who was your favorite team? My favorite team growing up from an early age was the Boston Red Sox. My, uh, my, my mom married my stepdad when I was pretty young. And my stepdad's family was all from the East Coast. Uh, and I remember uh, at a young age going to Fenway Park and never having been to I never even been to like a minor league or a triple league game then, and had only been playing baseball a couple of years. But going to Fenway Park and watching a major league baseball game um, at that at that stadium um, was just about the most amazing thing in my life. And I saw a doubleheader, and watching a major league ball player connect and hit a home run was like nothing I'd ever seen. Wow, you know, I remember my first game when I went to I went to Montreal when the Expos were were there, and 
I just remember being in the old Olympic Stadium and how hot it was because the dome itself wasn't able to close because it had broken at that time. And so, therefore, in it had the old Astro turf. I think I can remember when Pedro Martinez was there pitching. And I think Andres Galarraga might have happened to be there. The big cat. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I think Vladimir Guerrero was there at one point. I remember going to a baseball game and just kind of like running down the uh, the stairs and going and getting his autograph when I was there. So uh, it, it was just it, – it was a different experience having been to this bigger – event bigger venue that had baseball involved in it and there's all these professional players that you would normally see in person but on tv growing up as a as a child myself so that you know that was my my first experience with baseball and you know being a red sox fan going to fenway that must have been just out of your mind you know having famous baseball players Carl Yaskrimski Pesky's pole uh, you know, uh, Kurt Schilling with the bloody Red Sox when the World Series to win the game. Uh, just a plethora of players and talent that's gone through Boston at that time. So my 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 story is different from yours in that I didn't come from a very traditional sports family. My my family had basically zero interest in sports. Um, not a not a big baseball background family, and I, I came from. I guess for lack of a better term, a hippie family who were just a little bit more into the arts and, and this and that. I didn't really become, I'd say, a baseball fan until that trip to Fenway. And 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 it was that moment that I be, got into not just kind of the sport of baseball, but understanding, I guess, um, the highest level and, and the history and the, and a little bit of the, that's that, that kind of triggered my, my interest on a deeper level in baseball. Um, because I didn't, I didn't have those, those real baseball memories. I mean, I played baseball, but again, I didn't come from a family baseball mm-hmm. background. Yeah, but yeah, that was. And then from that point on, I I, I got into it. Who was your favorite baseball player growing up? Uh, my favorite baseball player was uh, Ken Griffey Jr. And all my friends' favorite player was Ken Griffey Jr. Being a kid growing up in the uh, in the in the mid to late '80s and then into the '90s, uh, and being in the Pacific Northwest, it was Griffey. Griffey was yeah. what baseball was. Uh, to to anyone, but especially kids uh, of my age in that area, it, it had to have been the stance. You know, he's standing straight up, hat turned backwards. You know, swinging the bat. I mean, this guy's just, I mean, a masculine figure, very good athletically, and just watching him swing the baseball. And I think um, baseball bat. And, and I think it was like I remember watching him uh, and the home run derby and. You know, again, like I said, his hat backwards and swinging the ball and, and just driving it long distances is just amazing. Griffey, Griffey was a person kids could relate to because I think they saw him him as just kind of a grown-up kid because of the way he carried himself, uh, the way he moved, the way he smiled, the way he talked, kind of the way he wore his hat backwards. Mm-hmm. He was he was uh he was he wasn't one of those kind of uh, stuffy, unapproachable types who didn't really seem human, like l- robotic. He seemed kind of connectable and relatable. Griffey, Griffey was just like an overgrown kid. And I just, he put off this vibe that, that made kids want to be like him. I mean, that was Griffey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I know growing up, my, my personal favorite baseball player, um, it, it was a mixture of Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin for me. And, the reason why it was 
Greg Maddox is like, yeah, I remember him. I think the first time I ever saw him, it was during a double header uh, when he played for the Atlanta Braves. He had come in and he had pitched at the tail end of the game. And then he transitioned into starting the second game. So he not only pitched in the first game that they were playing, but then he immediately jumped into the second game and continued pitching. And the guy is just phenomenal as far as what he was able to do in the Chicago organization. And then after he went to Atlanta under Bobby Cox, I mean, they had probably one of the best pitching staffs that I've seen like ever between Smoltz, Avery, Glavin, and Maddox. And then for me, it's, you know, Tom Glavin, it's holding that, that mitt out in front of him, like right in front of his face, like so you could just see like his eyes, like peeking over it. And just the way that, you know, he would rotate and throw the ball. It was just, I mean, I was just phenomenal. And, and I would mimic that as, uh, as a kid when I would pitch and just like, I, and I want to be like Tom Glavin or, you know, I just, you know, try to pitch with my hand over my head, stuff like that, like Greg Maddox back in the day. So, you know, those are my like two uh, favorite players, like, like growing up. So who, who would you say like now, who would you say that you follow the most right now? Well, I'm a Seattle Mariner fan. Um, and, and again, uh, my kind of family, Decided we needed a baseball team to hold on to about six, seven years ago. So we went with the Seattle Mariners, knowing that we could go to games and, um, and they were on television, this and that. Um, it's interesting that you bring up the Atlanta Braves because people of my generation, people whose some families were starting to just get cable in like the mid to late 80s. Mm-hmm. And so the Atlanta Braves are on TV all the time. <laughs> TBS. So TBS, yeah. right? TNT, TBS. Yep. So everyone's a Braves fan. And you really got to know the Atlanta Braves in the late 80s and early mm-hmm. 90s. And so you're kind of a fan by default because, again, I didn't have cable, but I go over to my friend's house and watch cable and it was just the Braves. That, that, yep. that was the only team on TV. I remember a game where the pitcher, they, and I like those pitchers you're talking about, They were because they could hit the ball too. I remember a game where the pitcher, Steve Avery, went four for four at the plate. Yeah. A pitcher and to me that was the the be-all end-all but yeah the, becoming a Braves fan and watching them just because they were good but also because they were TV, uh, on tv cable for the first time um but the seattle mariners um the, the seattle mariners have been uh, my team for a while uh and and again no one can ever accuse me of being a bandwagon fan because they haven't made the playoffs in about 17 years. I was a pretty casual fan when they had some good mm-hmm. years, you know, 15, 20 years ago, but just, just decided to decided to really become a fan fan about five, six years ago. Yeah. I, I remember, um, was it 96 or so when the uh, Mariners beat the Yankees in the NL, I think it was the NLCS. ALCS. And, yeah, ALCS, ALCS. Yeah, and just with, you know, that game and Griffey rounding the plate, you know, coming home to score and and just hearing that, you know, Griffey rounds the plate, he's coming home. Yeah. Uh, what was the uh, announcer there for the Mariners oh, that said that? that I mean, Rick was, Riz, was it? Maybe? I, I can't he's remember. He's since passed away yeah, I but, can't remember who it was uh but it was just I mean if you listen to that just that call alone like to this day I get goosebumps was, that like, might have been their season where they won 116 games and set a major league record yeah they had Griffey Buner Edgar Martinez uh didn't they have um, um Alex Rodriguez too um God, I don't think I don't know I don't think a rod was on that team or was he no a rod wasn't on that team but um, they had Cora right Joey Cora. They had one of the Coras, uh-huh. um, and they had uh, Dan Wilson. I mean, they were loaded. That yeah. team was that team was amazing. Yeah, they won 116 games, and um, 
Randy Johnson was yeah. on that team. I mean, think about Randy Johnson. So that that's I think that point was where I got that really kind of piqued my interest in them. Just after you know, I mean, I was always into Griffey, but them as a team after that season. Um, kind of got my, got me into them. You know, again, like you said, seeing the Atlanta Braves on TBS. And then I think for people who maybe grew up in the Midwest, having WGN and watching yep. the Cubs play on a nightly basis and just being able to see them. So I think that, you know, growing up, a lot of people either had WGN or they had TBS with cable. That's one of the reasons why there's so many Cub fans out mm-hmm. there because everyone was rooting for the underdog for a long time. But also everyone in the late 80s and 90s was accessing WGN and watching Cubs games. I mm-hmm. mean, they were just on all the time. Yeah. yeah. You know, with baseball, with its potential coming to Portland, and there's lots of excitement, I know that there's been, you know, years where it's on again, off again, and people are like, okay, let's get baseball to Portland, and then it fades away, and they don't get a team. And then now it's, you know, back up to where professional baseball is catching momentum. You know, you have the commissioner of major league baseball that's come out and he said that portland's one of the top teams or top cities to potentially get a team for major league baseball and you know looking at it you know the first thing that comes to my mind is why is now different than in times past is it because there is just been all this talk over the years about bringing professional baseball to portland or you know, it maybe is it the cast of people who are now behind it and support it? And, um, you know, another thing that comes to my mind is, is maybe that initial, those initial pushes, they didn't have the, the, the star quality to it. Like now they have Russell Wilson and they have Sierra Wilson, both of which are supporting it in their own way by putting in their own money. It's not to me is what I understand is it's not been a joint effort, but yeah, it's rather been an individual effort. So what, what, what do you think is different now versus it well, was a couple of years ago? Essentially, there's three reasons why this is kind of gaining legitimacy. Uh, off one reason and in no particular order, these three reasons are, um, obviously you mentioned it earlier. Um, the, the backers, the, 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 the star quality and the financial, uh, impact and resources of the backers. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's huge. Another another factor is there's been talks twofold, not only of expansion, but also potentially of franchises relocating because uh, they're not getting the attendance drawn. There's not that interest. So so now you have basically doubled the opportunity. Okay. The third the third factor is really the growth of the Portland area. Yeah. In terms of sustaining major league sports, uh, and the Blazers have thrived. Uh, major league soccer has thrived. And the kind of growth of the area with, with a potential larger, uh, revenue and fan base. Mm-hmm. So there's three, three, uh, three basically mitigating factors. Expansion, but also franchise relocation, uh, doubling the opportunity, the star power and the backers and the, the organization now behind the movement with yeah. the backing. It's, 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 that's increased. And then also the, 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 uh, the growth, uh, the growth and potential of the Portland metro area. Those are three reasons why this endeavor isn't the talks of this is entirely different um, than it was say three, four years ago. Yeah. Now let's talk, let's talk stadium. So, you know, there's been talks of where they want to locate the stadium and, you know, you're looking at T2, terminal one, terminal two, terminal three. There was the old uh, Portland public schools building, which is, I think been removed from the scenario now because that, that building was purchased. Do you, 
do you, where do you envision this going? Cause I, I mean, personally for me is if I could, if I had, if I was king for a day and I say, okay, this is where you're going to put the stadium. Cause kind of this is how I would like to view it. I, I personally like to see it down by the water and I'd like to see it situated in a location where either you can see the city or in the bridges or the bridges and you can either get St. Helens in the background, or you can get Mount Hood in the background. What I mean, where do you think that you'd like to see the, well, the location? It's interesting. You know, Portland is divided into these areas, these sections, these areas of Portland: mm-hmm. you know, Selwood, Laurelhurst, the Pearl, uh, yada 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 yada. Well, they're officially naming the South Waterfront. That's going to be a new official section of Portland, right? South Waterfront, and uh, again, there's talk of potentially a stadium there in that South Waterfront area, if you know, south of uh, McAdam and kind mm-hmm. of in that, you know, so that's one potential discussion. Obviously, to, you're, you're looking at uh, your transportation and parking and, and, and it's quite a deal. But in terms of what you're talking about, uh, visibility and accessibility, that's one possible location, the South Waterfront area. Yeah. So do you do you envision like in Seattle how they have the, the dome that kind of goes on the little railroad tracks and comes across onto the top of the stadium for, cause of the rain, cause it gets a lot of rain up in Seattle and in Oregon, you know, we, you know, I mean, there's not as much rain as there is in Seattle, but you, you do have your days where there's rain. Do you think that they are envisioning putting a dome over the top, something similar to that in Seattle? I think, I think you have to. Uh, and, and I think it's going to be a harder sell in terms of, uh, you know, cost of a stadium. But I think honestly, uh, especially being that close, you're, you're going to, you're going to have to do that. Um, essentially, otherwise it's really not economically viable to have a stadium without, without a dome. Yeah. To, to be perfectly honest. Cause you're going to get the rain and then in the summertime it gets, it gets in the hundred, you know, degree mark. And it, it's not like back on the East coast where you have that humidity that you need to deal with, but it's just, you know, you get that and you're dealing with a constant like heat. And, you know, you could get really dehydrated pretty quickly. So, you know, having that to be able to provide some sort of shade when it's, you know, extremely warm out and, and so on, which would be great. And one of the things I wanted to, while we're talking about stadiums is that, you know, you, there are stadiums that are across the country. Which one stands out the most to you as like being one of the nicest that you've been involved, been to? Well, uh, San, San Francisco. Um, and obviously with the view of the water there, San Francisco's, uh, uh, where they play is absolutely beautiful. Um, God, I remember, I remember the old candlestick from the nineties too. uh, San Fran, uh, their stadium's fantastic. Obviously, uh, Fenway parks, Fenway parks an icon, but in terms of modeling, you know, modeling a stadium after anything, um, I, I what, what I've been hearing is. That in terms of in terms of the stadium, it would be a it would be on the smaller end. It would be a smaller size major league park. I think like thirty two yeah. roughly thousand seat I mean, stadium. Yeah, it's not it's not going to be you know any one of these gigantic wonders. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm hearing a smaller smaller end. Yeah, and and one of the things that actually comes to my mind when we think about a stadium is what what, what are they going to put inside of the stadium? Kind of to me, anyways, because at Petco, which is in San Diego, they have in the outfield, this big um, playground for children, and they, they've made it really f- uh, family-friendly. Uh, I know in Tampa Bay, they have a big pool with uh, ray, like devil rays in it that are sw- stingrays that are swimming around inside. I know in Pittsburgh, they have a waterfall 
in the stadium. And then, so you have all these different places. And I think even um, in Arizona, they got a swimming pool in the outfield. What do you think could be unique to the area um, that they could bring? I mean, it would be kind of cool. So I just got this crazy idea. It would be kind of cool. What if they had like hops growing in, like, <laughs> like <laughs> in the funny. background, like, the, you know, they have the ivy growing in um, Chicago at Wrigley. Oh, what man. about hops growing in Portland in the stadium? Well, they're going to, you know what they're going to have to do once they get a potential list of season ticket holders, they're going to have to pull them and they're going to have to decide, do they want to go, um, uh, kind of focus more on family and a family atmosphere or a little bit more adult party atmosphere. And they're going to have to make that decision. For instance, San Diego, I was at Petco Park mm-hmm. uh, a couple years ago and Petco Park has just gone all in on beer and brew pubs. I mean, basically that's it. You know, Petco, yeah. they're, they're, they're not, they're, it's, it's not, they're catering more towards uh, young people and uh, people not really bringing kids as much. That's what San Diego is going for. So they they have to make you know you kind of have to make that decision in terms of who your client base is, right? Yeah. Um, in terms of what kind of uh, what kind of uh, uh, I guess uh, I guess non baseball resources, you know, what kind of fun you want to have inside there. Uh, that's an interesting question. Um, again, you really have to do a good demographic analysis around there and, and, mm-hmm. and, and really figure out who's going to be coming to these games. Yeah. Who, who that, who that, you know, who you're going to be marketing to. Cause I, I personally see, like, if you take a look at the Portland area, you have a lot of younger, um, people moving into Portland. At least that's what I see. And then you have your older crowd that are, you know, like baseball have been wanting baseball for years. So it's like, how, how is it that they can, merge the two to create an atmosphere uh, for uh, people to enjoy their time at the game. And, and that's one of the things, I mean, we do have a lot of, you know, microbrews. I mean, Portland's known as like the microbrew capital of, of the world. And so I, I do imagine that there's going to be a lot of involvement by microbrews in, in the area. Uh, but, it, you know, it'd be interesting to see how the farming industry plays into it. You got farming and then you got timber because you got wine, beer, and timber in Portland. And then you got uh, the fishing industry that used to be very popular with salmon and so on. So, you know, what do you what are you taking on that? Well, first of all, you got to understand the dynamics of the city. Uh, Portland is a trendy hotspot. Okay, so Portland is a trendy hotspot. You've got a lot of young people, young professionals coming here. And this isn't this isn't a, a town that there, there, there's not a lot to do. So you're competing, mm-hmm. you know, stadium builders, you're competing with a lot. I mean, Portland's a food town. There's all sorts of recreational t- activities close by. So you got to know that um, you're, 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 you're competing with that, number one. Um, so you're, you're talking about, you always want to figure out how you're going to get the casual fan there, yeah. right? Because baseball purists are always going to come. You're not marketing to them as much because people that love baseball will go. Mm-hmm. But how do you get that that fringe fan? How do you get the casual fan who might be semi-interested? You know, what yeah. what's going to put that over the top? What kind of specials? What What kind of aesthetics? Uh, what what kind of uh, you, you'd say resources and this and that, um, and that's and that's where the creative the creative gurus come in, right? Mm-hmm. To, to that, to, because again, your 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 baseball loving base that they're going to go no matter what. Yeah, you know, myself included, yourself included, yeah, yeah. right? But it's 
it's that that well, we'll say disposable income, disposable income 20-somethings and 30-somethings who maybe don't have a strong connection to baseball but are willing to give it a shot. Yeah. How do you how how do you keep them from just doing it once and then never doing it again? Yeah. I got to be honest. Let's let me throw something weird at you. So, like I said, you know, you have something specific to the area. I mean, Portland, downtown Portland is known for food carts. So what if you, like, in the outfield, like, what if you were to put, like, just a ton of food carts and have, like, f- call it food cart alley or something and just have all these food carts, like, in, in the outfield along this one strip? Like, what, what do you think of that? I mean, that would be awesome. Well, again, are you talking about food carts inside the stadium? Yeah. Okay, so you're talking actual food carts. Now, would these be, would these be, like, stationary food carts that never moved or these be legitimate food carts. Oh, they got to be legitimate, dude. Legitimate, legitimate. Fu- legitimate food carts that could come and go and just for games park there and then at different uh, d- different times, other places and so on. And yeah, so exactly. So I you- mean, that's part of Portland, Portland culture. This is a food cart city. I yeah. Mean, there it is, right? Yeah, I could see I could see food carts and then I could see a waterfall with um, like salmon kind of like they have like – you know, fake salmon, but it's like something like in steel or something like going up, you know, this, this rocky waterfall, maybe, um, you know, with, you know, some other things that are associated with it, but like lampreys and and salmon. (laughs) So just kind of going up, you know, like this waterfall and, and just kind of incorporating the things with something like mountainous in the area. Yeah, I mean, when they put together their kind of creative design group, these are going to be uh, these are going to be interesting things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, we'll get wind of some of that. Yeah, but in terms of uh, when when the, when the project really takes shape, but it's exciting to think about. I tell you what, um, yeah, it's just exciting to think about like, location at, yeah. and design, and oh man, gets me going. It is. And what about like? I mean, have okay. So we are aware. I mean, we're pretty avid baseball fans. We've seen the names out there of, for teams. You know, you got the Athletics, Padres, Mariners from up, you know, up north. And then you got the Twins, like the Twin Cities. Right. You got, uh, you know, you different names, San Francisco 40, you know, San Francisco Giants. And, you know, you have these plethora, you know, of team names. What, like, what stands out from you? I mean, I know we've had the Portland Beavers. We've had the Portland Mavericks. You know, we had, you know, the Hillsboro Hops, you got the Portland Pickles. Um, you know, what name stands out to you? And I'll give you mine. And I, this is one I've thrown out at you, the Portland Lampreys. I mean, just imagine like a lamprey being on. I mean, that's a cool looking thing that people could be like scared of. Yeah. If you look underneath, a lamprey is a pretty scary looking fish. Um and you're bringing that to the the consciousness. Uh, I, can, I imagine like a lamprey is a baseball bat. Yeah, yeah. I don't. You know, I I hadn't I hadn't thought about it. You know, uh, we'll get into reasons. Uh, we'll get into reasons why why it might not be the Portland Beavers or the Portland Mavericks. Yeah, but, on a later podcast. But, yeah. yeah, we'll get into that. But I, I'm imagining something catchy, catchy and court, cultural. Uh, people people in this area are very proud mm-hmm. of the fact that they're from here. And they're kind of geographic and cultural connections. Yeah. So whereas you have some teams, say like the Oakland Athletics or the San Francisco Giants, that that there's no seeming seemingly kind of cultural or geographic connection to the name. Mm-hmm. I would think that a Portland baseball team, based on the cultural attitudes of the Portland area, would go with something 
uh, regionally, geographically relevant. Yeah, I mean, you I got think. the you got the trailblazers, right. you got the timbers, uh, you, the thorns. I mean, because yeah. you got roses, the right. thorns on the roses, and they would continue with that tradition. I yeah, I, and I, you know, I don't know if they would go with the uh, Portland loggers. Uh, you know, maybe maybe the Portland microbrews. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> too much like the brewers, I think. Yeah, uh, I mean, too too much like the brewers, and they, you know, the get, Portland craft cocktails, you know, <laughs> you <go. laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, you go Portland Burnsides. I don't know, yeah. uh, but uh, you know, it'll be interesting to think of so many names, and and it'll be great because for me, I'd like to not have a team that's moving from another location to relocate here to Portland. Because I feel like, to me, it would be, you know, something that's just on loan. What I would love to see is a team start from scratch. And let's say you have a team starting from scratch. Who would you build around and why? Or what player would I build around? Well, again, I'm sure Jose Altuve is off the market, and so is Mike Mm -hmm. Trout. But if you you were king for a day, you say, I want to pluck this one player. From a team, who would it be? Let's see. If I could pluck one player from a team to build around, um, goodness, what's what's the oh God? What's his name from uh, uh, New York? The the younger, the younger New York Yankees, the younger player there. Um, he's a slugger, real. I mean, just young and can crush the ball. Uh, oh, Aaron Judge. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that kind of charisma, and he has a very a Portland demeanor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in terms of Aaron Judge is interesting, very laid back. He 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 has a very I'll say it West Coast, and definitely a very he's, he's a California guy, yeah. but a very West Coast and a very kind of Portland demeanor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you, you want someone like that. It's funny. Would a, would a Bryce Harper type? Yeah. Is, is he is he a big market guy? You know, he's got that flair. Or, you know, it's, I think it's, he's too big city to me. Bryce Harper. I mean, coming from Vegas, he's too big city. Yeah. Um, you, you, you want someone? I mean, versatile, young, uh, some someone who's got that kind of uh, team captain charisma. I think of what about a Felix Hernandez oh, coming from yeah, Seattle? And, and and Portlanders Portlanders love that loyalty. You look at Felix Hernandez. He he never got the run support he as a pitcher. Mm-hmm. And yet he stayed with Seattle from the day he arrived here. He never got any run support as a pitcher and it's cost him. It's yeah. cost him in his like, you know, in his career. So, you know, that, that level of loyalty and, uh, ah, who's that Soto kid from, uh, Soto kid from the nationals. I think he's 19. Oh, oh yeah. Juan uh, Soto. Yeah. Oh my goodness. He's good. What about, anyway. um, you know, and then another, uh, Another player comes to mind is Jackie Bradley Jr. from the oh, Red Sox. Yeah. He just seems like he would fit in really well with like Portland. You know, I kind of look at Boston as being like a Portland East. And, and why I say that is you got, you know, look at back at, you know, you know, the players when they were on the World Series, you got, you know, you got these guys with these big, huge beards would fit in in Portland, longer hair. It's just like, you know, you got these crazy guys that are out there and, you yeah, know, the early ball. 2000s. Yeah. Th- those, those, those whack job Boston teams, uh, you know, early 2000s, uh, the Dave Roberts crew. Yeah. You know, where you just got, you just got a bunch of Kevin Millar, just a bunch of crazy characters. Uh-huh. I think, you know, Portland, 
would definitely prefer a crew like that as opposed to the real button-down Newark Yankees. You have to cultivate a certain image type. Uh-huh. You know, they want they want individuals. They want the Jason Worth. They want individuals. They want uh, you know. They they probably want people who are a little more independent, like the you know, Jade Buhner kind of yeah, guy. Jay Buhner types. The bone. Yeah, that, yeah. that guy looks the Griffies, like you know. Yeah. They want they want people who are going to bring a little flair, uh, do things their own way. Portlanders, yeah, they're they're definitely going to respect that in terms of. Um, getting out of that that whole baseball custom of just stuffy baseball tradition mm-hmm. of of these these unwritten rules and uh lack of ind- independence lack of creativity lack of self-expression yeah i don't i don't think that's the type of team that portland would want and so they're going to need a ball player that kind of embraces embraces their values yeah embraces, portland's values yeah embraces the culture and you know everything. It it reminds me a little bit about of uh, the uh, was it the nineteen seventy something Trailblazers who won the world championship and just kind of remembering like they're wearing the sweatbands. They got the the beards going. Walton, Maurice, Lucas. Yeah. I mean they. You know they, they, these are guys that did things their own way. Tough mm-hmm. guys who did what they wanted to do, and yeah, and that's one of not just the fact that they won a championship. But that team was embraced beyond the fact that they were a championship team. Yeah, it and was it was the attitude, the attitude, and the personalities of the, of the team of the individuals. On yeah, the team. and look at the and the coach. Yeah, look at Dr. The, Jack Ramsey. Look at the Thorns and look at the the uh, Timbers. I mean, the Thorns have won two titles for the women's professional soccer, and the Timbers have won one. But you know. They're there, and you know they they have that com- competition with both Seattle. They have the competition with Vancouver, and I think the Cascadia. Yeah, the Cascadia Cup competition, and I think if you know, I'd like to see if a team to come to Portland if they were to be in the AL AL West. Oh yeah, and so we had that we'd have that rivalry with Seattle, and so we'd be going up to Seattle, and yeah. they'd be coming down here, and we'd be playing them. But I gotta even imagine, even if it was in the NL. That, you know, there would be times, you know, each year where they would have, you know, that, that competition. But I, I personally would like to see that comeback because I could, I, you know, not only with the soccer, but I do remember before the Seattle had left, uh, the Sonics had left Seattle. And it's that every year between Seattle oh, and that rivalry was Portland. Fantastic. So yeah. I, I really want to, you know, I really want to see, another rivalry like that come back to Portland and having it just beyond um, soccer. Because I, I do believe that Portland can support a professional baseball team. I think now more than ever is, is that time I, I, I beyond baseball. I do see a stadium, you know, supporting the locality. And, and why I say that is because, you know, yeah, you, you know, you have, concert series that come to different areas and not a lot of times we'll see the big huge names come to portland because i think a lot of them in the summer want to do outside outdoor concerts and i think that a new stadium if built well and in a nice location could support outdoor concerts safeco safeco has outdoor concerts and they are a huge draw yeah i mean the, the design at Safeco, the parking, Safeco Quest design is fantastic. I mean, mm-hmm. Seattle got it right. But yeah, there are tons of outdoor concerts at Safeco. And Portland being a music town, especially coming up through the late 80s and 90s with that kind of music tradition and culture, that's another draw. And that's another angle that that the, the focus group can get into in, in terms of music connection. Yeah. And, and that whole 
Um, and, and there's ways. Again, it's, it's marketing to the casual fan who can potentially become not such a casual fan, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, you know, that, um, that, that occasional fan. Yeah. Like how do you, how do you get that? You know? And I think that, you know, the, you know, let's go into the reason why, you know, like working on this podcast. Cause you know, people are going to be like, well, why are you doing a, a podcast about professional baseball in Portland when we don't even have a team? And, and the reason like I, wanted this podcast was because I, I really do feel like now is the time and I feel like we have a really really good chance within the next two to three years having a professional team here in Portland and so I wanted to do the podcast so that way you know we could tell the story of Portland from the baseball standpoint and having looked at the culture the history surrounding professional baseball in portland it's been just enormous i i didn't know that some of you know the stuff existed i think just yesterday you and i were i was texting you and i'm like hey you've got to watch this documentary about this and about baseball in portland and it was just at the end i almost cried because it was just that rich and I just couldn't believe some of the stuff. And, we, you know, we'll get more into into the history of baseball as we we continue on with our podcast series and, and moving forward. But, like, I think now is the time. I think baseball will happen in Portland. It's not a matter of if. It's just a matter of when, in my opinion. Yeah, I feel like there's enough rumor out there. I feel like if if we can provide any specifics and and just keep people – apprised on the, the process, right? Just mm-hmm. give them specifics and, and let them know uh, timelines and the goings on and potential this, potential that. Um, I think there's a, there's just a high level of interest, uh, you know, in, in terms of there's, there's people that really would like to see it, especially uh, having had the Beavers, you know, our AAA franchise leave a few years ago. A lot of people were devastated by that yeah. when the Beavers left. I mean, they were a pretty solid draw. Um, but, but having the Beavers, that was our, that was our last, uh, kind of glimpse, you know, Mavericks and then the Beavers and then now nothing. And, 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 you know, and that's, that's one of the reasons why there's such an interest in the hops. Mm-hmm. The, the volcanoes are a good draw. The hops are an absolutely fantastic draw. And they're doing because, competitive too. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. The hops aren't, are drawing from a, a large radius. This, this is more of a, a baseball area than people will admit. Um, in fact, you know, the Pacific Northwest is more of a Portland area. You know, I, just from having my, my son having played baseball recently, understanding baseball culture in Southwest Washington and this area, um, and then looking at the success of the Oregon State Beavers, it's ridiculous. They won three national titles mm-hmm. in 12 years. And they, uh, in reality, they shouldn't be winning national titles against SEC teams or teams from the Southwest on paper. Yeah, and but look at Linfield. Are. Look at Linfield. They brought in oh, yeah. Scott Brocious, I you think. You won a national a, title yeah. with them. You know, Scott Brocious. So this is a Portland – Portland is a baseball town and the Pacific Northwest is a baseball area. Yeah. You know, you people can pretend it isn't. It is. It's there. I'll be honest with you. For me, um, I think a lot of this evolves around what – uh, what Oregon State has been able to do with their team and, and what that's been able to do for, you know, Oregon as a whole as of late, because like you just said, they, they've won three national championships. And I remember the, the two years where they won back to back and, and, you know, they're, they're constantly in contention to go to Omaha every 
single year since I've known and Pat Casey's been there. And and they will be as long as he's there. Yeah. I mean, and frankly, um, you know, not only that, but, you know, look at look at University of Oregon. I mean, they 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 didn't have a baseball program for years. And because of the success at, you know, Oregon State, they're like, we need to jump into this, too. And and they have been somewhat successful. They've had some solid years. Yeah, they've been down recently, but they've had some solid years. And I'll bet they have some shakeups and I'll bet they're going to be successful again. Mm hmm. Now, talking about Pat Casey, before we wrap everything up, do you think, and I'm just being all honest with you on this, do you think that there's a potential if Oregon were to get a baseball team that there's that Pat Casey could move up to professional baseball, be a major league coach? Wow. I mean, that's the next oh, step I'm, he I'm sure take. he's been. I'm sure he's been fielding offers for the last 10 years right and left. Yeah. But he gets to stay in Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's an Oregon guy. Yeah. I mean, he is an Oregon guy. That's a great thing to think about. I mean, would, you look at Pat him. Casey potentially be the manager, never having managed a minor league team, even yeah. a potential major league Portland team. I think that's a that might be a question we leave with the audience at some point. Yeah. So the audience, do you think Pat Casey has a chance at becoming the head coach of? A professional baseball team, if it were to come to Portland, you know, weigh weigh in on that. I'd like to hear what you have to say. But uh, you know, in, in closing, you know, Dave, this is going to be great. I'm really looking forward to continuing these podcasts with you. I'm really glad that you know we're able to do this together. You know, and I cannot wait for a team to come to Portland. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited potentially to talk to some people who know a lot more than we do. Uh, and and really start to understand this thing, and maybe maybe get some people on the show that are frankly are quite interesting and know a lot. And I'm really excited, Ben. Yeah, me too. And, you know, hey, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be lots of fun, and I look forward to continuing this with you. All right, my man. All right, man. All right, brother. Hey, let's uh, let's end it and uh, keep it locked, and we'll be back again. PDX MLB. Yeah. Peace out.